first one was the law of love. The second was the law of life. This one is the law of faith. We're going to talk about the law of sowing and reaping at some point. But this one is one that we've gotten into and uh, we've had direction from the Lord to slow down a little bit and take some details. Now some point, at, at some point, I want to do a series on the fundamentals of faith, the basics of faith, the ABCs of faith, some things that the Lord has allowed me to learn over these many, many years. The message of faith, as we call it, the faith message, other than being born again and filled with the Holy Ghost, hearing and receiving the message of faith has done more to change my life and our marriage, our home, than any other thing we've ever heard. There are a lot of interesting things to talk about when it comes to the kingdom of God. There are a lot of things that, that will give you cause to, to think in, in a good way and, and very interesting uh, facts and ideas. But as a pastor, I've found that if you really want to help people grow and go to the next place, if you want to help them in their greatest time of need, these are the kind of truths that people need to hear. And I've also learned that we don't get it all the first time we hear it. We don't get it all the second time we hear it. Uh, I don't know of anybody that's gotten it all yet. I'm still a student. I'm still learning. I don't just preach sermons. I don't go back and just look for something that sounds catchy and, and uh, try to string together a few catchy phrases and, and uh, just do a sermon but I really, really want to speak the Word of God into your heart. And I know I'm not the greatest speaker in the world. I'm not the, uh, the best joke teller in the world. Uh, I listen to other people at times, and I just marvel at how wonderful they can communicate. And I uh, have to work to not be envious, you know. But I understand that we all have to be who we are and where we are. And uh, this is my thing. And that's one reason I get on a topic like this. It's hard to... To get off of it because it's something that's in my heart and I think that's probably the best kind of ministry at the end of the day is that which comes from our heart so let's pray and we'll get into the word father we thank you today that we're here together to hear from heaven we're not here today to see a man we're not here to hear the voice of a man we're not here for somebody's opinions but we are here to hear from you we're here Lord that we might be inspired as well as informed. We're here that we could be taught and if and when and where necessary, even corrected. And Lord, if we're really in the wrong direction, we may need rebuked, but we trust and know that even if it gets to that point, it's only because you love us. It's only because you want the best for us. And so we open ourselves right now to hear, to receive, the Word of God, the living Word. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The law of faith is the law that says when we believe in our heart what God has said, enough that we too will say it, that then God will bring that Word to pass. It's really simple. A lot of people think that's too simple, that there's too many other nuances, too many qualifications that have to come into it. 
And I do understand that there are hindrances to faith. I do understand that there are things that are important to know to make your faith work better. And I do understand that we need to grow in faith. But no matter how you exercise faith, from the time you exercised faith, and you used the law of faith, by the way, to become born again, to the greatest faith exploit that you will ever see in your life, it still comes back to this basic law of faith. Romans 3, 27 is where the phrase, the law of faith, is used. And if you've been with us a while, you know that um, we've been talking about this law several weeks, and so there, there, there's other good information in the prior lessons. I would encourage you to go back if you didn't hear all of the, this series about spiritual laws to listen to all of them because each week there's some things that the Holy Spirit brings out that are important. And so we're building on those things. With each lesson, uh, God just continues to add to what he's already spoken to us through his word. And so the law of faith is a law because it works for everybody. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, that means you. That means you. That means you. There's nobody this won't work for. This law works all the time, every time. There's no instance in which it does not work. Sometimes people make the statement, well, I tried that faith stuff, and it didn't work. Well, as kindly as I can, I want to say, no, you didn't try that faith stuff, and it didn't work. Faith tried you. And you didn't work. Now I can say that because I've been there when I've had to just fess up to the Lord that I've missed it. That, you know, for whatever reason, I've missed the situation and uh, it's never God's fault when I don't receive what he promised. It's never God's fault when, whenever uh, it looks like maybe that the word didn't work. Well, no, that's never the case. The Word of God is true, always true. I don't know your heart and you don't know mine. So any faith failure that I might have, or if, hopefully this won't happen, but if any faith failure you ever have, if the Lord doesn't tell me the why, then I don't know the why. And uh, I'm sure that heaven's going to have a lot of revelations. And you know, um, have you ever tried to do something or you've been really involved in something and kind of get your mind really into it and you're kind of really focused but something's not working and then maybe somebody points something out or you go back and you look again at the instructions and you kind of think ah, that's what it is and sometimes it can seem so simple I, just something like that happened to me the other day can't remember what it was I was putting together something or doing something and I and I realized that, you know, directions are given for a reason. <laughs> you know, when you, when you got that thing and it's all those pieces and you end up with a pile of pieces left and you think you're done, you probably aren't really done. Something's not right. Those are not just extra parts. There might be an occasional extra screw or bolt or nut or something. But, but pretty much, uh, if you've got too many parts left over, something's wrong. But usually it's really simple. And I, I really believe that when we get to heaven, one of the things that's going to happen is as lives are replayed, as we give an accounting, as judgment comes, and 
And you know, as far as human time, I have no idea how long that's going to take. But we've got all of eternity. And uh, I'm just sure that there's going to be probably a lot of people that say, ah, why didn't I see that? That's what it was. That's my answer. I wondered about that for 25 years. And that's what it was. Well, here's another little tidbit to add to that. This is very important. If it concerns you, now this doesn't always work for other people. In many cases, it won't work for other people because that's between them and God. But if, if the thing concerns you and God's plan and purpose for your life, you don't have to wait till you get to heaven. He'll show you now. Sometimes we haven't prayed long enough. Sometimes we haven't prayed in the Spirit long enough. Brother Hagin said that the greatest breakthroughs he ever had in his life in the working of uh, like supernatural healings and even financial miracles came after extended periods of time of praying in the Holy Ghost. And he wasn't talking about extending from five minutes to ten. He was talking about considerable amounts of time. But, you know, we're too busy. We're just too busy. We want, we want drive-up window guidance. Now, I know I'm not the only person. I could ask you to raise your hand, but I'll spare you the embarrassment. But I know I'm not the only person that has absolutely got angry in a drive-up line. I mean, you think about this. You don't even have to get out of your car. Somebody's going to hand you what you told them you wanted. And it just takes a few more minutes than you wanted to stay, and now you're, you're aggravated about it. Again, maybe this has never happened to you. But that's, that's, that's who we've become, especially in Western culture. That, that's who we've become. You know, uh, it, it's not uncommon now, if, if, if you have smartphones, that if, if you want to know something, you just Google it. Now, I'm not saying Google's always right, uh, but it's amazing what Google knows. You know, Thursday night, um, we, uh, we, we, uh, Wednesday night, rather, we were at, at uh, the memorial service. And, of course, um, uh, Bill Gaither and the Gaither vocal band, they were there as part of the program that night. And so I got curious, how old is Bill Gaither? Well, I just went to the old trusty Google and he's 87 years old, which is amazing. He just went right up those steps with no cane, no stick, nobody helping him, and up and down. So, you know, you can find out anything. But the thing about God is, you know, they've got these new lights. I'm supposed to be able to go down here and look just as pretty down here as I do up there. <laughs> Maybe not to you when you're only five feet away from me. But anyway, uh, you know, it's amazing uh, how that uh, we, we can... Just not spend the time that we need to spend and how much we miss. God is not going to give you the microwave version. There are so many benefits to waiting on God. You say, well, pastor, what in the world does this have to do with the law of faith? Well, your faith will never go any further than your knowledge of God and his word. When Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty two, have faith in God, he didn't say have faith in the Bible, though we know that's included. We know that, yes, that's important. But he said have faith in God. In other words, 
faith that works is faith in the person who spoke those words. He spoke them so they could be written. They were written so that then we could speak them. The The Bible doesn't refer to the pen of God. It refers to the voice of God, the word of God. And so when I think about a voice, I think about a unique sound. Everybody in here has a unique voice. As unique as your fingerprint, as we've been saying for several weeks. But it's important to understand that. And God's voice is unique. And and, uh, hearing from God, knowing that this is the will of God, will help your faith immeasurably. It's amazing how when you know you're in the right place, at the right time, doing the right thing, and you know the promises that God has already spoken that you're standing on to believe Him for. It's amazing how the, the storms and the tests and the devils and the demons and the gripers and complainers and unbelievers in all the world cannot shake you from what you believe. And that's when you learn to live and operate in the law of faith. And of course... Finding the will of God is so important because not only does that time give us entrance into the deeper things of God and the perfect will of God, but that time you spend in His presence gets you better acquainted with God. In my own mind, I'm convinced that that's one of the reasons God doesn't do it always so quickly. He wants you there. He appreciates your visits. The time you spend. I heard of a, of a pastor in, um, I don't know if it was uh, Brazil or Colombia, but it's one of the South American countries that was struggling along for, for years with, with ministry. I mean, it wasn't that there was no success, but there was nothing that, you know, would, or let's put it this way, I wouldn't be telling you this story. Had there not been a change, we wouldn't even know. But the Lord dealt with him to give him the first half of his day. And so I don't know what his schedule looked like. I don't know what, you know, I don't know what time it gets dark and daylight. And, you know, it changes as you move across the globe, of course. I mean, I like central time pretty well because I'm not much of a morning person. (laughs) But anyway... That's another story. Uh, uh, but anyway, the, he, so he started getting up at 4 o'clock and giving the Lord till noon. Now that, that's probably more than any of us are going to start tomorrow and keep up with. But here's the point. There are now thousands of people in that church. Thousands of people. Why? Because he found out how to do it. He found out what God wanted done. Now you might not be called to pastor a church and you may never go to South America. That's all right. As long as they keep shipping the coffee up here, we're good. But you know, but the point is you do have a life. God does have a plan. What is the schedule? Are you on schedule? Are you behind schedule? Are you out in front of God doing things that he never told you to do? Or are you right in the center? The bullseye. 
And you know, when you look at a target, you know, like an uh, archery target, or, you know, you look at those round, and they're right in the middle, we call that, that, that smaller black circle, we call it the bullseye. There's not a lot of room there. And also, there's not a lot of room for error. And so it is with the will of God. I'm not trying to make you afraid, because you can get it. But this isn't, a, this isn't a light thing. God doesn't want halfway, half-baked measures. You know that old saying people say sometimes it's good, close enough for government work, meaning that it really isn't on the money, it really isn't just right. That can get you fired, I understand. But I can tell you this. God doesn't want almost. He wants you there. You say, well, but you know, that, that's, pretty, that's pretty particular. Well, God would never call us to do something we can't do. And of course, in Romans 4, we're talking about one of the greatest impossibilities that was ever overcome by a human being. Because God wanted Abraham to be the father of a multitude and the father of many nations. He wanted him to become the faith father to not only those who were of his lineage physically, the Jews as we know them, but he wanted Abraham to also be the spiritual father of every Christian that would ever be born again when Jesus finally got to the earth and gave his life. That's a big order. For a man who at age 98 still didn't have the manifestation of that promised seed or son that God promised him. Married to a woman who was so beautiful. I mean, I, 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 I'm looking forward to seeing Miss Sarah in heaven. In her glorified body. Because when she was an older lady. I have to be careful because Glenna's birthday is this week. Uh, when she was an older lady. She was so beautiful. The king of Egypt wanted her in his harem. It's amazing. And Abraham lied you know. Said she's my sister. Anyway you can read all about that. But the point is, even though she was a beautiful woman and very desirable, obviously, for Abraham, he wanted her as his wife, she couldn't have any children. And you know the story. When she gave birth to Isaac, by the time she gave birth to Isaac, she was 90 years old. 90 years old. And Abraham was 100 how did this impossible miracle happen? You know, you might be sitting here today thinking about something that maybe God told you a long time ago, maybe years ago. God spoke to your heart and told you something. Maybe he showed you a little picture, a little glimpse of where you would be someday and told you a little bit about what you'd be doing and the places you might go and all those wonderful things that vision happens to be. 
And maybe it's been so long that you kind of put it on the shelf thinking, I, I just don't know how in the world that can happen. And now, on the first day of October 2023, you look at the calendar and you know how old you are and you know how much money you have and you know your educational status, you know all those facts and figures. And it just doesn't seem possible that what God spoke to you could come to pass. Or you might be here today and the doctors have told you that we cannot help you anymore. That there's a situation that cannot be cured. Maybe even has told you that eventually it will take your life. You might be dealing with issues in relationships that it just seems absolutely impossible that this can be fixed. How this could be turned around, there's just no way to know. Well, I want to tell you, the law of faith is how the impossible becomes possible. The law of faith is how you go from not having and not being to having and being everything that God has called you to be and everything he has told you in his word you could have. And it begins with faith in God's faithfulness. I heard uh, the late Derek Prince many years ago when he was an older man. He lived well into his 80s and he's gone to be with the Lord now. I saw him one time in ministry and uh, it was a great delight actually. It was such a joy. He was very old and uh, had ministered so long and, and I listened to him, saw him, uh, mostly listened on, on tapes in those days and found out he was coming to Richmond and so he was doing a meeting in the Jefferson Hotel ballroom and if you've never been to the Jefferson Hotel you ought to go that's a good anniversary trip take some money but go anyway he did a meeting in a ballroom and so uh, we were going down to the meeting Glenn and I were going <clears throat> actually I think we were, going to, we were finding out we got to the hotel we wanted to find out where the meeting was going to be so we walked down and it's a very opulent place and we walked down there and there he stood talking to, uh, I think it was Scott Ross who used to be with CBN. I don't know if he's still with them or not. But he was talking and he was standing there. I thought, you know, I wish I'd had the nerve to go up and be one of those people, you know, to interrupt him. And, and, but I didn't. I was trying to be mannerly. But anyway, that night we went to the meeting and we got there early. And so we got a pretty good seat on, you know, up close to the front. And as we sat there waiting on the meeting to start, I looked around and every seat in that huge ballroom. If you've been in there, it's a big place. Every seat was filled, and around the two sidewalls in the back, people were standing. Standing. And in comes this little guy, and he stands there behind the pulpit. Not much razzmatazz to Derek Prince. Not a very flashy person. But... It, it would bring tears to your eyes. The anointing just emanated from him. And when he spoke with such wisdom. Anyway, I said all that. Those are the kind of people that I like to be with. Those are the kind of people that you can pattern after. Because they know God. You know, you can know all the facts and figures you want. And you can be the best at Bible trivia. 
But if you really don't know the God that wrote the book, that's not worth much. It's the presence of God. One of our goals as a church is that there would be such a presence of God in this place. Not the presence of me, not the presence of a, of a praise team or a soloist or any one person, but that the presence of God would be such that people would be drawn like, like, like you know, paper clips to a magnet. You know, you have a pile of, of little paper clips and a strong magnet and you hold it over it and they just go to it. That people are drawn into the presence of God. Well, that's the way, that's the way it was that night. But anyway, he made this statement. He said, if somebody asked me my testimony for my life, he said, it'd be three words. God is faithful. That is the basis upon which the law of faith operates. The faithfulness of God. The faithfulness. The God who is there at 3 a.m., the God who's there when the bill is laid in front of you that you don't have the resources at that moment to pay. The God who is there when they say, I don't love you anymore and I don't want to live with you anymore. The God who is there when they say, you're my mom and dad, but I'm disowning you. I'm going my own way. And like the prodigal son, I'm going to go spend some time in the hog lots. No matter what's going on in your life, God is faithful. And one of the greatest enemies of faith there is, is our reasoning in the natural. Faith isn't stupid, and faith certainly isn't blind. Faith is based, though, on God's Word, not my feelings, not my reasonings, and not my emotions. Some of the greatest operations of faith that you will ever manifest in all of your life will probably occur when you feel the least spiritual and when it looks the most unlikely that you'll ever have victory. And when you step out there, when there is nothing under you but the Word of God, that's when you are positioned for the power of God to do a miracle in your life. To fix the unfixable. To make possible the impossible. And to turn around that thing which is careening toward disaster and it looks like there's no hope. God can stop that, turn that, and cause the thing to change in your life. That's where Abraham was as the years progressed and went by year after year after year after year and, and they didn't see any hope or any promise other than the Word. He had a promise, but he didn't see its manifestation yet. <coughs> what he got to 100 years old, the promise came to pass. And it happened... Because he took what Romans 4 and verse 12 says are the steps of faith. <clears throat> I don't know why. I really don't know why. But there just seems to be a lot of people in the body of Christ, at least in America, they just somehow kind of have a problem with that kind of a statement. They, they seem to want to think that, that you know, God is like the Wizard of Oz. 
He's always behind a curtain. And we don't really see him or know who he is. And, and uh, he does stuff, but we don't know how. And, you know, they have all these statements they make. Well, God works in mysterious ways. His wonders to perform, which, by the way, is not in your Bible anywhere. Or statements like, well, God answers prayer one of three ways. He either says yes, or he says no, or he says wait a while, which, of course, that too isn't in your Bible. Or into every life, you know, some rain is going to fall. I mean, there's all kinds of these statements that people have. Beliefs. These are confessions that people make. That's what they believe. That's their faith speaking. Their voice is giving vent to what's in their heart. Jesus said, from the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. And so they're saying these things because they truly believe them. If sincerity got the job done, they'd be okay. But as important as sincerity is, it's not enough. Because you can be sincere and be sincerely wrong. You can be sincere and be sincerely wrong. And it really is important to do some inventory. What is it that I believe? And you might say, well, how do I really know what I believe? Check what you say. That's what you believe. Unless you're a pathological liar. Unless you're a pathological liar. Your words tell you and the rest of us as well what you really believe. And so to find out, you check up on what you're saying. And if our life is the sum total of our confession, and it is, that's how you got eternal life. And, and again, I don't understand why people have a problem with thinking that faith wouldn't work for their healing and their body or their financial life or their marriage life or with their children and family. I don't understand why people would think faith would not work there when they will admit that faith got me the most important thing I've ever received, which is salvation. That faith got me from darkness to light, from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of God. Faith brought me into righteousness from a place of sin. They can believe that, but then they don't believe God could take away high blood pressure or God could help you pay your rent next month. It's important that we understand that the law of faith operates for those who operate it. Not just sincerely believing anything, but sincerely believing the truth. Now, one of the things we've learned, and some of you are probably getting a little nervous, you look at the clock, and I'm not going to finish this today again, and uh, so you'll have to come back week after next to get the next installment, because we've got company next week, so I hope you will, because there's more good things to come. But, but the first step of faith that Abraham took is found in verse 17. He called those things which be not as though they were. His voice revealed his spirit and his spirit believed that he was the father of many nations now I want you to notice something his he was not saying I'm going to be that would be hope only hope's important but it takes faith to give hope its substance I want to say that again it takes faith to give hope its substance 
So if Abraham would have been around saying, I'm going to be the father of many nations. I mean, think about this. That's a true statement based on the story being finished now. We know that happened. But if he'd never moved beyond that, it would never have happened. It wouldn't have happened. Because as long as something is future out there and not present and now, it's not faith. Faith is always now. The eternal realm, the spiritual realm, the supernatural realm is always now. Nobody has a calendar on the wall in their mansion in heaven. I don't know that anybody has a clock. Now, I like clocks. I, I just, you know, I don't mind to have a clock in every room. And I, I've, I've got an old-fashioned watch with Roman numerals. You know, I, I could get an Apple watch, but it just seems fake. You wear your fake watch if you want to. I'm sure it does all kinds of good things. But I like clocks. But I'm sure in heaven we're not going to need any clocks. Why? Why do we need no calendars and no clocks? Because in heaven, time means nothing. If you want to know what time it is in heaven, there's only one answer. Now. So if you ask an angel when you get to heaven, what time is it? Now, and it never gets night, not, you know, not in the, around the throne of God. It's one continuous now. From that realm, your faith has come. So if you try to box your faith into this package with deadlines, calendars, clocks, and you're thinking about future versus present versus past, if you are caught up and bound up with all of that kind of jargon, then you're not in faith. Faith is not about what's going to happen. Faith is about what I have right now. You say, but Abraham called things which be not as though they were. Isn't that lying? Isn't that what we call lying when somebody calls things which be not as though they were? Not when you do it like God. Look at verse 17. As it is written, I've made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and God calleth those things which be not as though they were. So God called Abraham, Abraham, which, you know, his name originally was Abram. God changed his name to the father of many nations before Isaac was ever born. Did God lie? No, we know better. When Abraham started saying what God was saying, was he lying? No. It's never a lie to declare what God has said. It's never a lie to declare what God has said. So when you open your Bible, everywhere you find any word from God that applies to you, that's yours. And it's yours now. Now, I know that there are future things. We're going to get to heaven. We're going to have a glorified body. But there are tons of things. To just use a figure of speech. There are lots of things that are already declared in Scripture that belong to us now. We are already redeemed from the curse of the law. 
meaning we're redeemed from spiritual death, sickness and disease, mental illness, poverty, and family disasters. We're already redeemed from all of that curse. God has already said, I'll supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He's already told us that the peace of God will keep our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I mean, on and on and on you could go. And these are things that I have learned not to talk about in my future, but to talk about in my present. To call those things which be not as though they were. I'm not denying the facts of the natural. The tests say what they say. The numbers are what they are. The bank figures are what they are. The lawyer's letter says whatever it says. There are all kinds of natural facts out there. But I don't live in the realm of natural facts only. I live in the realm of spiritual truth, which goes beyond that which is natural and reaches as the next uh, step of faith that Abraham took, found in verse 18, as an anchor. It's my supernatural hope that holds me steady in this unstable medium called life. Like an anchor holds a ship from moving, your hope is what Hebrews uh, chapter 6 and verse 19 calls is the anchor for your soul. That's your emotions, your, all the realm of your thinking and reasoning. You know, you could, have, you could have the largest oil tanker in the world, and I don't know which one it is, uh, but they are, they're tremendously huge. I mean, it's just unreal how huge and heavy. And if you don't anchor that, that water will move that ship. Water, I mean, you can, you, know, you can pick it up with your hand. You can splash it about. Seems inconsequential. But the instability of that water will cause that ship to move where you don't want it to go. So that's why it has to be anchored. And you know, there are a lot of things in life that seem, to us, they seem inconsequential. Well, I was just joking. I, you know, I, I was just, you know, whatever. The, well, it won't hurt to, you know, I'm going to watch this. I'm going to do that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang out with this person or that person, you know. And I, I know it's not the best thing to do, and it's dangerous maybe in some cases. But, you know, I'm just going to do it anyway. It's, it's not much. What's happening is you're losing your anchor. And whatever those people or whatever that movie or whatever that activity or whatever that process that you're getting into wherever it's going if you're not anchored and you allow yourself to drift into that that's where you're going some of you need to look at the people you're hanging out with you really need to look at them is this where you want to be is this where you want to go do you want to be like that do you want the same problems do you want the same mess? Because you'll get it if you drift in that direction. You know, we talk about sanctification. That's what that's about. It's about staying sanctified. It's not all about your hairdo and how long your sleeves are. But it is about separation. Not to be a goody two-shoes and not to be a holier-than-thou somebody that's, that thinks you're too good and too holy to talk to other people but it's about living a separated life to the point where people notice you're different and when they get tired of their mess, they know who to come to. You see, churches never win the culture by becoming like the culture. Amen. You've, you've got to stand on the Word of God. You know, I did not intend to go in most of these places today, 
I actually had the audacity to tell Nick that I thought we'd finish today. And I told him what kind of song I wanted. Well, Nick, why don't you all come up here and let's do that kind of song anyway. But I'm not done. I'm not done. Say this with me. I walk by faith, not by sight. Therefore, I can please God. I receive from God because I walk by faith and not by sight. Because I walk by faith and not by sight, I am not moved by what I see. I am not moved by what I feel. I am moved by the Word of God. That Word in my mouth will accomplish what He desires. He gave me His Word so I could believe it and I could speak it. Let's praise him for a moment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Now you might be here today and you say, Pastor, that sounds a little foreign to me. Kind of like listening to somebody talk in a foreign language. And I do understand. I understand that. The language of faith, the spirit of faith, is different than the world. The world lives by this old adage, seeing is believing. People of faith live by the truth, believing is seeing. Believing turns into sight. You see, faith is always intended to take you somewhere. This is a word for somebody today. Your faith is intended to take you somewhere, somewhere that you're not at the moment, but somewhere God wants you to be. You've got to start declaring it even before you get there. You know, when we get to heaven, it shouldn't be the first time we've ever even thought about heaven. We should have experienced a good bit of heaven on our way there. Everything shouldn't be foreign to us. In the same way with just simply walking and living by faith, it should be that when we get to heaven, I mean, I'm sorry, when we get to the promise fulfilled, that we've, we, it feels like a familiar place. You know, there's things that ha have happened to me that are absolutely supernatural. And sometimes Glenn and I will sit down and just declare how good God has been to us and the blessing of the Lord in our lives. And you know, at the moment, it wasn't something that made me jump through the roof <laughs> or dance that crazy looking dance that sometimes I do that maybe you laugh at, which is okay. <laughs> But I've already danced before I got there. I really was rejoicing about something, even if I didn't always know what it was about. Woo, glory. That's why I'm rejoicing right now. <laughs> I'm praising now. Hallelujah. Because the future is bright. Good things are on the horizon. The best is yet to come. We're entering into the third quarter, the fourth quarter, the last quarter of 2023, and I want to declare to you that this will be the best quarter of the year. In the name of Hallelujah. Jesus, this will be the best quarter of the year. Hallelujah. 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 And it's going to open up the way for a new year, 2024, which will be a year of visitation from God. Hallelujah. <laughs> 
people will dream dreams and people will see visions and people will hear the voice of the Lord in ways they've never heard him before. It'll even begin before the end of the year, but 2024 will be a great year of visitation in this place. And for those who are committed and connected and partnered here, they will receive this kind of a, of a blessing, a visitation of the Lord. And the year of breakthroughs and blessings will lead us into a time of His presence and visitation that is going to be so glorious. And right now we're entering into it. It's, it's upon us, and we can rejoice in it now. So let's stand up on our feet, and let's begin to praise the Lord. What have you got?
Wednesday night, we're going to be talking about divine healing. Lots of ground there to cover we haven't covered yet. And so uh, we're doing a little refresher course. And so that's where we're going Wednesday. So please come. If you're well, then you need to hear this truth to stay well. If you're sick, you need this truth to get healed. So everybody needs to praise the Lord. And I also want to encourage you, if you don't know Jesus, there's nothing more important. God has given his word to you, the gospel, that Jesus died, was buried, and raised again on the third day, ascended to the Father. He is the Savior, the only way. He is the truth and the life. No man, he said, comes to the Father but by me. That's a bold statement. Either Jesus was telling us the truth or he was a maniac. We know he told us the truth. All you need to do is ask him, say, Father God, forgive my sin. I believe that Jesus died for me. And right now I ask you to cleanse me, make me a new creation in Christ. I receive Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. And Lord, I will serve you the rest of my life. If you do that in here, don't leave until you tell us about it. We've got some good information to share with you to help you in your new life in Christ. If you're online and you do that, contact us. We want to bless you. There's nothing more important than being right with God. Amen? Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you. Hallelujah.